I'm in Washington, D.C. this week, and yes, <laughs> I lost my voice <laughs> from all that zealous advocacy for the maritime industry. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot going on in and around the supply chain, so I couldn't miss this week's By Land and By Sea episode. So stick around if you can bear it. <laughs> we have a lot to cover. It's the Captain's Log Holiday in the District episode. <clears throat> Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain, presented by the Maritime Professor. That's me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. <laughs> Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice. And there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So usually we start with our top three, top three stories of the week. <laughs> it's so gone, this voice. Uh, but this week, all of our stories are top stories because this week we are doing the Captain's Log holiday series. We're continuing it. And this is the holiday in the district. So let's just jump right into it, shall we? So story number one, we've covered this multiple times. I will continue to cover it. I don't want anyone to forget the FMC's rule on detention and demurrage, the NPRM. It's out. Comments are open. So the FMC released, the, the Federal Maritime Commission released their detention and demurrage rule on October 13th, and it had 60 days of comment window, comment open, open period window. And so it closes on December 13th. Again, that's 60 days it was open. December 13th, that's 11 days away. We went into detail on the detention demurrage notice of proposed rulemaking rule a few weeks ago here on By Land and By Sea. Um, go ahead and, and check out that episode if you want to see what, how I kind of break down the detention demurrage rule, what's in it, what's going on. Um, but you have, I mean, just over a week, week and a half um, to, to get your comments pulled together. Um, pull them together. This is an important one, right? That's why I'm keeping it on my top three stories of the week or my captain's log. Um, it's important. This is, this is where you have that moment to really tell the Federal Maritime Commission what you think about detention demurrage, how it's affected you directly. Um, what do you think of the language that they've proposed? Remember this language, this notice of proposed rulemaking, there is language that the FMC has released. There are ideas that the FMC has released as this is a, where we're going to go. This is what we want the final rule to look like. So again, remember, they said that they want to streamline contractual relationships for invoice payments. Motor carriers are going to maybe be taken out of that responsible party list, but that they're available to pay. Um, it introduced a 30-day invoice uh, issuance requirement. <clears throat> but then on the backside of that was a 30-day requirement for uh, disputing those invoices. Um, again, these are all proposed rules. They have not been adopted yet. That's what this stage is. They want to know, 
Do you like that? Do you like these ideas? There's much more in there. Uh, go take a look at Go take a listen to that old uh, By Land and By Sea episode and and, and take a look at the, at the law. See if this is something that you have thoughts on. A lot of people do. Story number two, <clears throat> along the same lines of that FMC detention to merge rulemaking, we're also waiting on the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations. So that's due out December 16th. It's going to be a busy week. <laughs> so we have December 13th for your detention and demurrage uh, comments required, uh, or your comments uh, are due. And then December 16th, we are expecting the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations. The final language should be coming out. And I say should. So remember, this, all of these rules, the, there's three rules that we're following, uh, the ten- detention and demerge rule, um, unjust or unfair discriminatory practices. That language has not come out yet. That rule has not come out yet. Um, and then this third rule, this uh, unreasonable refusal to deal and negotiate with respect to vessel space, this rule is required to be buttoned up, finished, six months from the signing of OSRA. OSRA, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, was signed June 16th over the summer. Here we are. It's been six months since that June 16th OSRA. Now, this rule, the final language is due. So again, I'm expecting, well, the deadline is December 16th. So hopefully the FMC can make that deadline. What I think happens, they issue the final Final rule. The final rule has the language in it. They put it on a 30-day effective date notice. Sometimes they could do an effective date on on uh, publication in the Federal Register. Um, my guess would be that they probably do a 30-day effective date. So we're looking at June or excuse me, January 16th um, for when that unreasonable refusal to deal and negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations language goes into effect. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. There were a lot of comments here, too. Um, I'm certainly going to cover it when the language comes out. Uh, there's This isn't a, a, a totally gone rule. If you really, really, really don't like language that's coming out of the unreasonable refusal to deal and negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations, there's going to be a comment period, probably. Um, they don't necessarily have to stop what they're doing, but if they get adverse comments, they likely have to respond to them. Um, it could still affect it. They st- still could modify the final rule. I, all this to say, it says final rule, final with maybe some asterisks around it. I mean, it's fine. It'll be final at that point, but there, it's not totally in the books yet. Um, but it's on its way. They're, 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 um, they're making sure the pens work at that point. They're, they're putting it in the books. So, um, that'll be December 16th. <clears throat> Story number three. Are you bearing with me? How's this voice doing? (laughs) Story number three. There's still more FMC news. FMC released their interim procedures for processing charge complaints. They stated that they had over 175 filings in the charge complaint process since the first announcement in June. Now, remember, charge complaints was a creation under OSRA as well. There's a lot that happened for the FMC um, under OSRA. And so this is where you went if you had um, c- charges that you wanted to, to complain against. You know, this is this is kind of that interim process. It's an enforcement mechanism, not an uh, uh, adjudicatory. It's it's not filing a suit. Necess- <clears throat> excuse me, necessarily, but it is an enforcement mechanism. Um, 
that made it, it was supposed to make it a little bit easier to get these conversations going. And so nobody really knew, well, what does it look like? What does a procedure look like on the other side? Because Osra came out with it and said, this is, this is now a thing. FMC, tell us how to do it. Um, so now the FMC has had 175 filings, and they're kind of telling us what they do to, to uh, look at those and review those. Um, so uh, again, the, a party files the charge complaint. So they have to ID the common carrier that they're talking about. They have to describe um, or or actually have a statement on um, how the charge or fee violated very specific sections of the Shipping Act. And they need to support with documentation, including invoices, bills of lading, <clears throat> proof of payment for the charges or fees demanded. You don't always have to have already paid them, um, but that sort of thing. They, they, uh, the FMC actually is now saying screen captures of denied booking appointments for return of equipment, gate closures, or relevant emails can also be provided. Um, that's that's an update. Um, and all of this, the FMC created an email to funnel all of these uh, complaints, these charge complaints, to charge complaints at fmc.gov. So then the commission staff acknowledges the submission and when it receives sufficient information, will promptly investigate the complaint. So if it's perfectly filed, they get started right away. If they have questions about your submission, they're going to obviously reach out to you and contact you. Um, then if everything is kind of good on the filing side, you filed all your stuff, you, you want to tell the FMC that the charge complaint, um, here's all, your, all my information. They say, cool, looks good. They're going to go contact the common carrier. And they're going to ask the common carrier to respond or justify the charge or fee being investigated. So then after that, the investigation continues. The, the commission staff is looking into it. And then once that investigation, like I said, this is an investigation. This is an enforcement kind of mechanism. Um, once that investigation is concluded, commission staff is going to be notifying both the parties. Um, if the investigation supports a finding that the common carrier's charge is not in compliance, if the whole reason why you brought this charge complaint, if they find out, yeah, you're right, this isn't this isn't cool, this is not how it works, um, this was an uh, inappropriate uh, violation of the Shipping Act under the charge complaints process, um, if they find that, then the parties are going to be informed that the matter is now being referred over to the Commission's Office of Enforcement. Previously, the Bureau of Enforcement, uh, now remember this is the um, BEIC, now the Bureau of en um, Enforcement Investigations and Compliance. So now they have an Office of Enforcement under there. So the enforcement mechanism, right? This is the enforcement arm. Um, <clears throat> so for matters where the investigation supports a finding of a violation, so then the, the Office of the Enforcement will kind of review it. If they find that this investigation supports a finding of a violation, then the Office of Enforcement is going to recommend to the full commission that an issue to order to, an issuance of an order to show cause is formally created to adjudicate the, the charge complaint. So basically put it through kind of a, a hearing process on the FNC side um, and an order to show cause. So that's that's an order. Um, so it's a it's a show cause on um, why it should not be ordered to return the fees or charges paid. Basically, it's an order to show cause why you shouldn't be brought into all of this. There was kind of a, a, an interim um, when the when the um, common carriers were asked initially. Now it's part of like a hearing, a part of like a like a, a legal process um, with the Office of Enforcement initiating it. Now this order to show cause is being recommended from the Office of Enforcement, and and so it goes through. So. If 
the commission, if the staff, if they recommend, if they agree with the Office of Enforcement, because each office kind of, you know, they have their own purviews. If the rest of the staff and, and the commission and the commissioners um, agree that an order to show cause should be issued, um, it's going to be issued, right? So the commission issues an order to show cause naming the specific common carrier and the actions alleged to violate the Shipping Act. So kind of it, it's a continuance of what had happened previously in the charge complaint process. Now it's kind of turning into, okay, yeah, this was a big deal. We, we totally agree. We are, we're going to go for it too. Um, and it directs that common carrier to show cause why it should not be ordered to refund the fees or charges paid or waive such fees. So then if the commission orders a refund by the common carrier, a separate penalty proceeding may be initiated and referred to the commission's administrative law judge for consideration of penalties. So one, it, at this part, at this kind of hearing-ish stage, um, the commission could order the refund by the common carrier if they haven't already refunded the, the money from the initial charge complaint um, and a separate penalty proceeding. So that might be penalizing that common carrier on top of the order to refund um, the initial complainant, um, the, the initial person who brought the, the action. That's charge complaints, right? That's kind of cool. That's what's happening. That is what one, what part of Azra created were these charge complaints. Pretty cool. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, from a legal perspective, it's pretty cool, right? I mean, the, it's, it's a new creation and it's always kind of fun to see the procedure. So now you have a little bit of a glimpse behind the, the Oz curtain on, on how it all works. So story number four, did you hear trade lens has been abandoned by Maersk and IBM this week? Is blockchain now a thing of the past? So, all right, a lot of news sources were reporting on this, and I'm gonna, I pulled from the G Captain article here um, to kind of explain what happened. So, Maersk and IBM were, were doing this, um, this initiative, and they've now announced their decision to abandon this blockchain based global trade platform. And that's what it was it was a blockchain based, and it was a global, it was a platform, right? So, it was supposed to kind of filter in all the information. Um, it was known as Trade Lens. And they're saying that they're they're abandoning it because it failed to generate enough users. So um, Maersk had launched Trade Lens in collaboration with IBM in 2018 to promote efficient and secure global trade by helping to manage and track the millions of shipping containers trading globally by digitizing manual and paper-based systems across the supply chain. By nature, the platform's success is heavily dependent on widespread industry participation. Again, I'm, I'm reading from the G-Captain article here. They did a really nice job of summarizing this. They continue on, although the platform has steadily added companies, port authorities, and other entities to its user base, the platform, and again, this is the platform, has apparently failed to reach the critical mass needed to make it viable. So there it is, right? So it was, it was this platform, and they just couldn't bring in all the, all the people that they needed. Um, so further down in the G-Captain report, it continues and says, Mayor says that it's actually going to continue its efforts to digitize the supply chain, though, and increase industry innovation through other solutions to reduce trade friction and promote more global trade. So I'm not sure if you're actually following this space, the whole digitization of the, of the industry, um, but I've actually heard a lot of people talking about the DCSA recently, so the Digital Container Shipping Association. And I mean, perhaps that's what Maersk was alluding to. So, so who's DCSA? So the Digital Container Shipping Association is a nonprofit, independent organization established in 2019. So Trade Lens was 2018. This is 2019. 
by actually several of the largest container shipping companies. So that's good. You're kind of already getting some buy-in from some of these carriers. Um, DCSA's mission is to be the de facto standards body for the industry. So not the platform that TradeLens was, but this is a standards body for the industry, setting the technological foundation for interoperable IT solutions. So they want everyone to kind of speak the same language, right? So together with member carriers, DCSA creates vendor-neutral, technology-agnostic standards for IT and non-competitive business practices. They are working towards, DCSA, the widespread adoption of these standards. Their aim is to move the industry forward in terms of customer experience, efficiency, collaboration, innovation, and respect for the environment. So standard-setting body. It's kind of like SWIFT for banking. So you may have never even been exposed to SWIFT. But the same reason why you are able to use your, your credit card at the grocery store every week can also get you a pint of beer when you're traveling abroad all over the world. Um, but obviously, this would be for the global shipping side. It's not for the banking side. So DCSA, I, I think this sounds pretty cool. I, I, it's not a platform, like I said. It's a standard-setting body. Um, it's, it's certainly different than trade lens, but... Um, I, I don't is that what Maris was talking about? I don't know. Um, look look into them. I, I'm interested in this whole space. I think this is pretty cool. All right, my voice is almost done here. So we're gonna do the fifth story of the week, the last story. Uh, it looks as though the rail strike has been averted for now. <laughs> um, does this solve the problem? I mean, for now, yes, right? So um, but does it smooth over the relationship? No. Um, you know, look, it certainly helps the U.S. from losing $2 billion a day is what I was hearing at some times. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's something we're moving forward. I heard that now there's seven days of sick time, I believe it was, um, in, in the final text. Um, it's going to go to the president's desk for signature. Um, yeah, I, I, it's good, right? I mean, that we're not going to lose the $2 billion a day that the, the a potential rail strike could potentially cause us. So um, I think we're going to see some, a lot of continued conversations here um, without the intensity of a, of a looming rail strike. All right. With that, I think my voice is toast. It's time to take a break until next week. There's a lot going on here. Make sure you're staying up to speed. We're going to be doing these lightning-ish round captain's logs every week until the new year to keep you informed and get you a better understanding of what's actually happening out there. So as always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes. It should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, the e-learning, the general industry information and insights, come find me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand, or if you missed any previous episodes, check out the podcast by Land and by Sea. If you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page by Land and by Sea, presented by The Maritime Professor. While you're at it, check out the website, maritimeprofessor.com. Still working on those e-courses, dropping soon. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, the Maritime Professor, and you just listened to By Land and By Sea. See you next time.